Heartache is the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive. Even though it's uncomfortable and people don't like it, greatest gift we've been given other than being alive. Because what it is in its essence, heartache is your heart calling your awareness to come back home inside to its source in life. Thank you guys for tuning back in to Reconditioned with Lauren Vaknin, your one-stop shop for all things holistic health and growth, a place to learn how to heal, to grow, and to find your purpose. And Happy New Year! We're on to season seven, and I had a lovely little break over the Christmas, over the Christmas, over Christmas, and um, I hope you did too. I hope you had a lovely break and back to set up the new year right. And I can't believe it's been seven seasons. Honestly, two years before starting this podcast, I had thought about doing it, and I just thought to myself, oh, I'm not going to be able to do the technical stuff. It's going to be too difficult. I don't have the time. Honestly, guys, time is an illusion. We just Something happens when you decide to do something and you find the time. And that doesn't mean that we strain ourselves so much that we make ourselves too exhausted because I'm not a fan of that as well. Energetic boundaries are important, but time really is an illusion. And so are our perceptions of what we can and can't do. I used to say, no, I'm not good at technical stuff. And then I taught myself how to create a podcast. Like the so- I looked at one, look at the software and thought I'm not going to be able to do it. And that was what was my deciding factor on not starting the podcast two years before I did. So, you know, if I can teach myself how to do a podcast, then anyone can do anything, honestly. And I will never again just limit myself by saying I can't do something. We can just do anything. Anyway, so happy new year and I hope it was manageable and restful and I hope you got to spend time with people you love or indeed time alone. I do like spending time alone. I needed a bit of a break from the podcast so I had December off and had lots of work on lots of workshops and prep and clients and group and preparing new very exciting things for the new year. So that's where I've been at. So just a little bit about Udo. So just to preface this because it has to be prefaced. Udo's voice is ASMR personified. If you are into ASMR, listen to this in bed. And if you're driving, just take this as a warning that you are going to be ultra relaxed and maybe a bit too relaxed. So Udo's choice is a brand most of you, you know, if you're, you've are you been listening to me for a while would have heard of because you'd be into holistic health. Udo's oil, which is something I've used for a while. Probiotics. So Udo Choice probiotics were the first probiotics I ever bought, both for myself and when Braxton was born obviously not right when he was born, but they were the first probiotics I ever used. And also the Udo's greens, which I put in my smoothie every day. And so we talk about oils and fats and probiotics and greens and all of that, but we also talk a lot about consciousness because his journey has been in leading him to this place. And so it's really interesting. And I love it when people in the wellness world, in business, in wellness are really in this conscious place and that they're doing what they're doing based on that. And he is deep into this. What he has to teach us is even more profound because of his history. He had to leave as a refugee a war-torn country when he was two and a half and got left behind. He got abandoned and ended up in an orphanage. I mean, really traumatic stuff. The actual real trauma. And we talk about that and what that taught him. We talk about his journey with psychedelics. 
products, which is obviously something I'm super passionate about at the moment, talking about a lot. And then we really go into fats and oils, what we should and shouldn't be doing. Because you know, when you're in this health world, there are so many conflicting views all the time and you never know really what to trust. So for example, Udo believes in very specific oils and that we need a lot of fats. And I agree. And that's why, you know, I wanted to speak to him because from what I've seen from health and what I've observed empirically in my own work, whatever it may be, the brain needs fats, the body needs fats. We can't really exist without fats and we can't expect our brains to be able to function without it. And then you've got, you know, medical medium and that model, which I agree with a lot of it. And I think he's a great guy and, you know, has some great stuff to teach us, but that's saying we should really limit fats, which I don't agree with. So what it comes down to is what resonates with your truth based on knowing yourself really, really deeply. And I think that is the key thing when it comes to knowing what to do with your health. It should be a personalized approach with you truly knowing your body and your mind and your soul. Like when you know your truth, you know exactly what route to follow. And you know, this is the stuff that I love to teach, getting to know ourselves, purpose. You do have access to 20% discount for all the Udo's Choice products. So go to inspiredhealth.co.uk and type in Udo's Choice and use the code Lauren01 for all those products and you can get 20% off. And like I said, I use Udo's oil, probiotics and Udo's greens every day, but he's got great other products as well. And all the details are linked in the show notes. Please, as usual, leave a review because that really helps the podcast reach more people. And I love reading your reviews. So thank you to those of you who have done that. A massive, massive shout out to everyone who has been listening for a while and is still here and gets in touch. And even if you don't get in touch, but you enjoy listening and you're here and you're still here. Thank you. So much gratitude from the bottom of my heart. I genuinely, genuinely don't just say it. I'm so grateful because it ensures that we get this message out to as many people as possible. So thank you. And before we get into the show, a quick word from our partners. I'm so excited to be working with Block Blue Light again. You guys know I talk about their blue light blocking glasses a lot, but I actually have new reason to talk to you about them now. So a lot of you know we're renovating our new house at the moment and we have decided to go ahead and kit out our entire house with anti-blue light bulbs because of how damaging modern lighting is to our health and our sleep. We wanted to change everything modern houses usually have that we never question, but that are actually really detrimental to health. So in this case, things like not having dimmers because they release such high EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, or not having LED or fluorescent lighting anywhere, which seems crazy to everyone because that's just what we're used to. We wanted lights without damaging blue light but in rooms like the kitchen, I really wanted to make sure I still had enough light, especially living in the UK where it gets dark at 4 p.m. in the winter. And this was a little bit of a concern of mine because I still really want the house to be fully functional for modern living. But the Block Blue Light team created the world's first biologically friendly day to night full spectrum light bulb. And that's a lighting technology that really closely replicates the same visual color spectrum as visible natural light from the sun. And this sort of exposure to full spectrum light will increase energy throughout the day and uplifts our mood and increases overall well-being. And of course, these lights are super low EMF. And low EMF is something I've become hyper aware of in recent years and something we're really trying to focus on with this house. 
So for rooms where we don't need lights that are as bright, we've opted for their amber light and taken their advice on things like having floor and table lamps. So after dusk, we'd only have lights at eye height because our ancestors would have only had firelight after dusk, right? And no overhead lighting. And we know that when we mimic our natural states as much as possible, our health thrives. And we wanted to make sure we did this with our new home in every way we could. So they also created the first ever blue light free reading lamp that attaches to your book and it has three brightness settings but no blue light whatsoever so it won't damage my sleep in any way which is life changing for me because I read in bed every night. Now this is the third season reconditioned have teamed up with Block Blue Light because we all know that healthy eating is essential and all of that great stuff but not enough people know of how important reducing our exposure to blue light and EMFs is and I really want to continue sharing this message. Sleep optimization is key to health and these products really maximize that. So you can go ahead and use the code LV20 at checkout on blockbluelight.co.uk for 20% discount across the entire range. Thank you so much to Block Blue Light. And now an uninterrupted episode. Udo's pioneering work in health and wellness started in the 1980s. As a prominent voice of the healthy fats and oils movement, Udo raised manufacturing standards of food oils, including flax oil, In 1994, he co-founded the Udo's Choice Supplement brand, a global leader in cutting-edge health products that sold tens of millions of bottles of healthy oils, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and greens. Udo is an accomplished author of several books, including Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, with extensive education in biochemistry and biology and a master's degree in counseling psychology. Udo has impacted millions of lives by delivering his fresh message on how to achieve perfect health. So welcome, Udo. Glad to be on. So glad to have you here. I mean, it's, I said when we, when we, um, when we started talking before we started recording, that it's interesting to put a face to the supplements I've been taking for so many years. (laughs) Because Udo's Choice was really the first probiotic I ever took, the first probiotic I gave my kids. So it's really so lovely to have you here. Yeah, and I and just to to think about how I started and why I did what I did is I started from what I thought was the most neglected area in physical well-being in in nutrition because the body's made out of food, water, and air, right? And so the most neglected area was fats because they're the most sensitive, most easily damaged, used the harshest way, processed the harshest way, harshest way, and of the one of the most sensitive of all of the sensitive nutrients, that one is too low for optimum health in 99% of the population. So the idea is if we could make this with health in mind and protect it and give it the care it needs to have benefits in the body, we could help almost everybody. Oh my God, I was I got so excited. <laughs> 99% of the population, right? Yeah. So that's what the oil came out of. And then after that, it was, well, what's next? Well, digestion is the next most neglected because digestion is enormous amount of work goes on to turn one creature into another creature takes a lot of transformation and that all happens outside the body inside the digestive tract and so when we cook our foods we destroy the friendly bacteria that protect the digestive tract and we destroy the enzymes that do 60 percent of the of the digestion for us if we eat raw food said well if we cook our foods we should replace those 
So that's how that came about. And then the next was like, well, what's next after the after digestion? Oh, yeah, well, you know, greens are the most important food. Greens are the foundation of everything on the planet, mm. right? So every creature that eats, eats plants, and the creatures that eat plant eating creatures, right? Are st I'm, like I, I make the joke, a cow's made out of grass. Yeah. It's just a more, a more concentrated form of grass, right? So everything a cow needs to make a steak is present in grass because mm. that's all it eats, right? Mm. So, and so I started working on that. And then I got into inspiration because people won't make changes if they don't feel empowered and inspired. Mm. So I got into that. And then I got into, you know what, actually everything affects health. Yeah. So, and you, and you get optimum health when you live in line with nature and your nature. Mm, I so agree. And then that goes into into that goes into the deep stuff, life, energy, you know, uh, awareness, uh, getting out of your head, being present in the space your body occupies, you know, feeling, listening, sensing the energy that runs through the body all the time. And when you experience that, you go into a place where there is no possibility of disease. That's like total health. That's like perfect health. And you can go beyond that into, into, I call it peace, the awareness that is the foundation of your existence, but also the existence of the universe is formless, indestructible, no content. <laughs> so everything else takes place in this sphere of calmness, everything else, all your stuff, all your comings and goings, you know, and all your worries and fears and joys and sorrows and all of that, that's all taking place in a sphere of perfect peace. And I have to say, you do kind of exude that peace and calmness yourself. I feel very calm right yeah. now speaking to you. Yeah. Okay, and, and what if you live your life mm. present to that? It's a very different quality of life that comes from doing that. Mm. So that's sort of like a short, a short version of the long story. <laughs> yeah, and I want to open all of that up and go into the whole story. Um, before we do, I always start the show by asking guests the same question, which is what have you done so far today to support your wellness? And I guess you're going to go quite deep with this one. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's see, I ate two bananas and had a half a cup of green tea. And um, uh, basically prepared for this, but I got ready early, and then sat in front of my computer, and just got into that quiet space. I love that space. I was born during the Second World War, so I, I was I was uh, two years old when the war, uh, when we were uh, when we, when we were refugees from the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks. The Allies were shooting at us from planes. These were women and children with young children on horse-drawn hay wagons on dirt roads with no military presence, and the, and you know Hitler got started the mess. The Pope had a meeting with Hitler and agreed not to not to uh, question what Hitler was doing. You know, and I was a two, two and a half year old kid. 
and I don't remember feeling safe. And it was chaotic and people changed their minds every day. You couldn't, you couldn't count on anything. Fear, anxiety, confusion, a lot of noise. And I grew up very shy, loved books because books are safe. You know, you can read about a war in a book, but there are no bullets flying. Right? Yeah, but can we go back there, Uda? Because I, yeah. I think that your story gives so much context to what you do and yeah. what you talk about today. I'd love for you yeah. to tell us about your background and about growing up and being a refugee yeah. and coming from the war. Yeah, so, yeah, so th that's what I remember. I mean, I was two and a half, so I, I don't, you know, my, my sister remembers dead horses and dead people in the ditches. But the reason why I told the story is when I was six years old, we, you know, we made it out. I got left behind. And I mean, it was like, it was really a mess. And when I was six years old, I listened to adults argue about things that I thought were really trivial. And the thought came to me. It's like, man, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And then this little cocky six-year-old who doesn't know how complicated everything is, I'm going to find out. That's been my driver all my life. And I started early because of the war. I think. And so the, the questions always said, how do you, I mean, we could live so much better than we do. Everybody, I mean, including me, everybody on this planet could live so much better than they do. And it's not based on money and it's not based on, it's based on, it's based on more fully occupying our own space. Because in that space, is energy. That energy is solar energy. That energy is also the master and that energy is also unconditional love. The masters, you know, the great masters we talk about, those great masters are the life energy in every human being, whether you call it Buddha or Christ or Krishna or whatever you call it. That energy weighs nothing and runs everything unconditional love for your body. The message of the masters to humanity is, I am come not to judge, but to love. And the message of life to the body is the same message. I am come, it loves you unconditionally, 24-7, never takes time off, never complains, never goes on strike for a raise. Just flows through you and in the flow through you, that solar energy, that master, that life energy runs the entire sh uh, show from electrons to atoms, to molecules, to cells, to macromolecules, to cells, to tissues, to glands, to organs, to systems, to the whole body and to the whole environmental ecosystems. Runs everything. Life energy runs everything. Weighs nothing. Yeah, pretty amazing. So that's so that's kind of like why I tell that story is and it took me a long time to figure it out because when I was twenty seven I was still complaining about the war that ended when I was around three. I was still complaining about it. And but I, when, I heard you say you got left behind, so there was a lot of trauma there and presumably a lot of unhealed trauma. So no wonder you were still complaining about it. So what what do you mean by you got left behind? Well, but my mother had six kids with her by herself, six kids, six years and younger. Two were uh, kids whose parents had perished in, during the war, four were her own kids. 
And she got to a point where it was safer to go through the fields than to be on the road. And the wagon broke down and the horse went crazy. And I, I don't know, I don't remember the, the, the details of it. And she decided that she would go through the fields. But she only has two hands, so she only took two kids. So she had to make a decision to leave the four kids in her charge behind. Wow. And I was one of those. And left us with the farmer. The farmer took us to Berlin. To, but the people in Berlin, the relatives in Berlin had already left. So I ended up in an orphanage and eventually got put on a train. And, and her sister heard about it and she went and, and dug us out and reunited the family. But for two and a half years old, it's probably, <laughs> I, I think it was probably a fairly intense time. Uh, in terms of trauma, uh, the, the resolution of it is that the awareness within every human being and the life energy within every human being cannot be traumatized. So while there's trauma, there was mental trauma and social trauma and physical trauma and emotional trauma. And certainly um, helped form some of my thinking and some of my habits and all of that. So that was certainly affected by, by that situation, but not the life energy. That unconditional love was there through thick and thin. And one day when I was sitting around at 27, it occurred to me, oh my God, the war has been over for 24 years. I'm still bitching about it every day. And yet the whole time I was going through all that. And ever since something inside of me took perfect care of me, but I've never given that any acknowledgement. I've never given it a word of thank you. And I've never been interested in getting to know that a little better because it's certainly been a good friend to me. And that was a really big turnaround for me in terms of my thinking. And then, and then I had some very powerful experiences, beings of light. I am come not to judge, but to love. That was the, that's like, that's basically is my, my that, that was a complete reset of my entire, you know, I mean, I don't understand it, right? Because this is not like a field where, you know, it's got little nuts and bolts. You know, this is like an experience, very powerful. And that's been my, my focus, my core focus since that time. And in that experience, all, all the trauma got disappeared, literally got disappeared. Yeah. And it was basically got replayed. What, what it is, is a change of focus. You know, I was focused on thoughts I had and recreated the war in my head. So that's what I was focused on. This focused me on what never was affected by it. And now so, it was like, now, and then it was real for me because it came as an experience. On a practical level, how did you do that? How did you shift that focus? I didn't. I, uh, I was trying to understand the, 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 the story of the master of my culture. You know, we're still talking about him 2000 years later. And it occurred to me, nobody, nobody thinks about my grandfather. He hasn't been dead for 50 years. I don't even know his name. How come they're still talking about this guy 2000 years later? What, 
there must have been something there. And so I tried to figure it out, got the red letter edition, read it, put it to the test. I did all kinds of really crazy stuff to, to test it. And then I went, went with some Christians because I thought, well, they must be this trying to figure it out too. So maybe they learned something I haven't learned and I've learned something they haven't learned. And they treated me really, really badly. In fact, they kicked me out of there, out of there. I said, it must be possible to see God and live. And the guy got, went ballistic. He says, you're from the devil. You're from the Antichrist. Get out. And so now I'm, now I'm walking on the sidewalk <laughs> at night. And I said, well, I haven't seen God. So maybe I'm asking a question I shouldn't be asking. It's an innocent enough question. I just really want to know, right? And, and then I, and what I used to do in those days, this was in 1970. I used to, if, I, if I got confused, I'd go to nature to clear my head. So I went to nature on a beach on the west coast of Vancouver Island in Canada and uh, s spent the weekend there. And there was a, somebody had draped plastic over logs to make a little dwelling. So I was in the dwelling and I lay down and went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, bolt upright from dead asleep to bolt upright, there was this being made of light on a cloud. The cloud was not as light as the being. I couldn't tell if it was male or female. I couldn't tell if it was old or young, but a human being embodying a message. And it didn't say anything and it didn't have any labels on it. So I said like, what is this? Because I don't believe in that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? This is not like for me that was like, I don't know. And not drug induced either, right? And the message I could put word to was, I am come not to judge, but to love. And all my confusion was completely gone. I've never had a question about what the master's message was. I do not have any question that that is the message that life has for each of us from inside our own bodies. And then it took me, a, you know, and I've been basically, I'm still processing it in a way, just that one experience was so rich and was so all-containing and so central to human existence. And, it, and so that's what changed my focus. So it's not like I sat down and said, let me change my focus. <laughs> no, this, this, this thing, I was going through my life and this thing happened and it, I, was, I was very desperate at that point. I really wanted to know and I was really sincere. And sometimes when you become desperate, that that ups your sincerity by many percentages, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just in the course of, but I had, I, I did want to know. I did want to know. And so the, uh, so that was a, that was a real, that was a real quest. Just like I, I wanted to know about oils, just like I wanted to know about health when I got poisoned by pesticides. So then, it, so there was a focus there, but I didn't create the experience. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I, 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 if you said, well, who created that experience? I wouldn't be able to answer. I just know what happened. And, and what changed in my life just from that one experience, mm. you know, and then it became a memory. And so I thought, you know, I want to, I want to be, I want to be in that experience all the time. There's no reason I've never be heard anybody say that you couldn't. 
I know a lot of people don't think of it that way, but you know, I've never heard that you you can't be in that experience while you're alive, while you're putzing around doing what you're doing. So I want to have that experience on a on a moment to moment basis, and that took me into a practice that I do. This is what I call it, my stillness practice, right? where I literally just sit down, close my eyes, you know, leave all the external noise outside and just feel, what does it feel like to be alive? What does it look like to be alive? What does it look like inside your being to be alive? What does it sound like to be alive? Because our senses monitor energy, right? When you see something, you're actually seeing energy in movement, in color, in form, right? You're not actually seeing the thing you're seeing you're seeing the energy that comes off. And when you hear, you hear change. You're hearing energy. When you feel, you feel energy. When you taste, you taste energy. When you smell, you smell energy. But what if you see and hear and feel and taste the energy inside of you? You will see light in your darkness. You will hear sound in your silence if you go deep enough and sit still enough. That's, I guess, enough. a real, that's what and, mindfulness is. Yeah, and, 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 and you will f feel love in your emptiness. And what's interesting... And mindfulness, is mindfulness is, is, you know, I'm talking now about a special kind of mindfulness, of being yeah. mindful of what is inside. Because you can be mindful on what's on the outside too. I want the I want the I want the inex, inside experience mm -hmm. as a foundation, and the outside experience as a as a as an add-on. And when you can be fully present in your own being and the world at the same time, then you're living in the cherished state. Yeah, and, and, you're not, and you're not in your head, and there's no fears, and there's no anxieties, and there's no worries, and this and that, what ifs, and you know, then you're like fully present, and you can move into whatever needs to happen in the moment because you're there. You know, when you when you start thinking, you go blind and you go deaf, so then you don't respond well to things because you're already preoccupied. And your focus isn't in what where where it needs to be to deal with with what goes on in the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes so much sense to me because it's like we spend so much effort trying to create and cultivate these mindfulness or meditation practices, but actually, what you're doing is sitting in the stillness and just feeling in for it. And actually, that's what mindfulness and meditation really is about. So it's yeah. I think there might be people listening to this going, oh, that's just clicked for me. I don't need to go and do all these courses or spend time trying to figure out how to do it. It's, yeah. That's what although, it is. There are different people who teach all kinds of different methods for yeah. trying to do that. But the, the issue is not the method. The issue is where's your focus, mm. right? Mm. If, your focus is, if your focus is fully present within the, the space your body occupies, then you're going to be – present right and you might feel this maybe maybe there's pressure of of my bum on the chair and there's pressure of my feet on the on the slats on the bottom of the chair and 
you know, I can, I can feel my shoulders and my neck and I can, you know, you have sensations in your body, just feel them. Don't judge them. Don't, don't try to make anything with them. Don't try to figure out how that came about. Just, just experience it. Mm. And, and when you, when you take the judgment off the experience, then the experience becomes pure because you're not distracted. You're just in the experience. And the experience of being human is an awesome, unbelievably magnificent experience. Mm -hmm. And mostly, and it's, and it's our first purpose because we were given this experience only for our own enjoyment. Because you can't enjoy my experience. I can't enjoy your experience. If I don't enjoy the experience of being alive in here, if I don't experience that, it's a wasted gift because nobody else can experience it for me. So purpose one is to be fully present in the experience of being alive. And then purpose two becomes, because now I feel taken care of, because something is taking care of me all the time. So now I feel that care. Now it's not about me anymore. And now it's like, okay, where can I help? What needs to be done? How can I make the, make the biggest splash for good in the time that I have mm. here? Right? And that time is pretty short. 100 years in uh, 14 billion on one side and another 10 billion on the other side. 100 years is very short time. So I, I'm a stickler for detail and I feel like you've left us hanging with what happened after the war. And did you get reunited with your mother? How did you end oh, we up? Did, yeah, yeah. Stateside. We eventually got reunited. Uh, my, my mother's sister was, uh, her, her, uh, her guy died during the, in, during the war. So she was single and was always just looking for things to do to help. When she found out that my mother had left two of her kids behind. She said, I'm getting them. And how did your mother <laughs> feel about that afterwards when you, when she got you back? I mean, that must have been trauma for her to manage you know, that decision. You know, people, people, a lot of people who go through wars don't like to talk about the wars. Yeah. So I don't remember ever having a conversation about it. I would say she probably overprotected me afterwards. I was definitely her favorite. I was the runt of the litter, <laughs> if, you, if you want to put it that way. Uh, I was the I was the, the more troubled child, you know, because I think two and like in that that age is is a very vulnerable age. Mm -hmm. So I had stuff fear fear stuff that my uh, younger brother didn't have because he was born after the war, and that my older siblings didn't have because they were they were a little older. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they know they didn't talk about it. They never talked. Um, I, I said to my, my mother at one point, you know, you should write down your stories because you, you came out of before cars were invented. You came out of horse and buggy days. You know, everything was done by hand. There were no chainsaws. You know, it's like, you know, it, so you come out of that and you've seen all of the stuff, airplanes and cars and, and gadgets and, and, all of that and you've lived through such an interesting time it would be a shame for that to be lost because you've learned a lot they had an enormous amount of wisdom and 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 a lot of 
humility out of having everything taken away and then learning how to still enjoy life. Mm. Uh, but they never did it. They no, many of them didn't. Yeah. 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 And people, and there was a lot of things they didn't want to remember. You know, mm. sometimes they, sometimes they just say, you know, I, what are you, what are you fussing about your life? Don't you, don't you know that's enough? <laughs> you know? So they were a little, they were a little harsh from that too, mm. but wise from it as well. Mm. But they never wrote the story. So they're, they are gone. They're gone lost. And it's fascinating to me. I, a lot of my work focuses on trauma and going back and kind of just processing mm -hmm. that because I think that is a big part of, you know, my work focuses on a holistic healing approach. So physical, yeah. mental, emotional and spiritual. And part of that is yeah. trauma. And so yeah. this, you know, this kind of story just fascinates me in terms of, you know, that, yeah. that decision that your mother had to make and well, yeah. how that well, played out imagine, for her. And, can, you imagine, can you imagine a mother? No, I can't. I'm a mother and I, and I can't imagine yeah. that. So, so then you ended up in, in yeah. Canada, was it? Yeah, we, we, well, we ended up in Germany. And then when I was 10, we left Germany for Canada because Canada is similar to Latvia. My parents had come from Latvia and Estonia. And uh, my father said, if I survive the war, I'm going to Canada. He didn't like Germany. He didn't like the whole, I mean, they went through all, you know what they went through in their lifetime, First World War, then the Bolshevik Revolution, then the Depression. And then the Second World War. And he said, you know, and so they were very interested in nature. Nature was their religion. Nature was their place where they went for a little, a little peace of mind. So he came to Canada. He bought 112 acres for $960 in the north of British Columbia. It's all wild land. Built a house. No electricity, no running water. But there was a creek, so we would have to get the water from the creek. Outhouse even at 40 below in the winter. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and he kind of, the, his opinion was, I just want to be left alone. But the thing about, you know, going back to trauma, you know, there's not a kid who hasn't had trauma. Yeah. They're all different, you know, and you can have an, a severe trauma from a trivial event, you know, trivial by, you know, if you, if you look at all the events, you know, not all of them have bullets flying and horses dying and, and getting left behind. But sometimes a little kid will get the same abandonment issue just if the mother leaves and all of a sudden she's not there. Mm. Right? And it could be just like happen in five minutes. So trauma, everybody has trauma, yeah. but everybody also has the place that cannot be traumatized. And what, ha what tends to happen to us is we go into the trauma and then we live our life in the memory of trauma, just like I did. Mm. And, they, and then the healing comes from finding our way to live our life for life mm. instead of living our life for trauma or for fear of trauma or for memory of trauma or for, or for excuses for, uh, based on trauma or you know, the, because the trauma is not the purpose of your life. The trauma is just stuff along the way. Mm. Right? I, the reason why I have this background is kind of like that. You know, over here is all the clutter, and over here is all the possibility. 
Wow. So I have nothing here. And the thing is that we live, and, and you know, I live in the middle between the two. The clutter is always there, and I can go to that. And there's my book, and there's my this is and that's right, and I can get, occupy myself with that. And at the same time that I have the clutter here, I can also go to this place where there's nothing, where the peace lives, where the unconditional love is, where the possibilities for invention live, for for where I can create it any way I want. Starting from scratch, anything is possible. Right? And then if you say, okay, well, we don't want to do it that way, then look at it this way. Look at look at all the space around me. Right? I have a lamp here, you don't know that. And I have a lamp here, you don't know that either. And I have a lamp up there, you don't know that either. But when I sit here, in here is all lots of space. Everywhere is space. Nothing in that space. But we get a, we we tend to be aware of the objects in the space rather than the space itself. And when you become more aware of the objects and the space, it changes your perception. It changes your state of being. And uh, state of being is everything. Because whatever is your state of being will come to expression automatically in how you think, how you speak, how you act, and the consequences of what you create by those right and so if my state of so if my state of being is peace how's oh my god peace is everywhere peace has always been everywhere but only peace knows that and so if i don't see peace everywhere it's because i'm not it's not peace that's doing the observing here it's i'm off my peace right if i'm angry then I will see enemies everywhere. Even where they aren't, I'll create enemies. And then I'll live in, in, into a world of enemies is a very different way of living than living into a world of peace. Mm. And if I'm fearful, then I see danger everywhere. And then I'll start thinking about, gee, what if, what if my house falls down on my head? Or, you know, what if... You know, what if the lamp, you know, falls over and even though, you know, and then we, then we start tripping, right? It could happen. Could happen. Well, I better protect myself from that. So I better live really cautiously. You just know, never know when something's going to come and bite me. Right? So why you, and then you create that kind of a world because you're, you're creating that from your state. This is actually state of emotion, fear and anger state of being doesn't doesn't have mental content it's just present in in us the state of being creates the world whatever is wrong with the world came out of what is, was wrong with people in the way they lived into the world you want a better world find a better state of being from which to live into the world so you, um... Trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so trauma. Uh, just a small subject. You mentioned tripping there, and I know you've had a lot of experience with psychedelics, and I'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, well, for me, uh, psychedelics, like the, the experience that I talked about, I am come not to judge, but to love, was not. Yes, no, 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 this was something totally was, different for you. Yeah, so that was a, a, a and I had, I had a few other ones, but this was really the, the seminal one. Mm. Um, 
for me, because I was so tightly wound and so shy and fearful and, you know, out of that experience, what psychedelics did is they blew the door open mm. for me, literally blew the door open. And I was, I, I was lying, I was lying on the floor, rolling on the floor, laughing, the tears were coming down my face, laughing to Mozart. You know, Mozart goes, ha, 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 and I go, ha, 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 ha. So, you know, and, and the, the reason why I was laughing was it struck me as so funny that everything that I was so studiously and seriously looking for on the outside was already all present on the inside. I thought that was the funniest thing. It's like the, the cosmic joke, right? You know, it's like if God gets tired of people and he says, where should I hide? And so, so they go through the possibilities, go up on top of Everest. Oh, no, no, people will conquer Everest and they'll find me. Okay, go in the deepest hole in the ocean. Oh, no, 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 they're going to have one of these little gidgets that they motor under the water and they'll find you there. And then a little really wise person, ad advisor says, no, hide in the heart of human beings. They'll never look there. <sighs> Except, you know, and, and when you do look there and do it that way, then... You know, you, you, you get gratitude, you get, oh my God, this is so amazing. And then you start, and then you start, you start discovering the states of being that you, that from which you can create the world that you want to create, or the world that works for everybody, or the world that's filled with peace and love and contentment and cooperation, and everybody's basic needs are met. So completely possible. We're wired for it, but we're not doing enough. You don't spend enough time looking into our own wiring, and that's why it's hard to do. You can't do it if you if 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 it's not in your state of being. You can't manifest it outside either. But it's already in your state of being. But you have to look. You have to spend time with yourself. You have to do the stillness practice discover the peace, discover that, you know, some people say, I can't do meditation, it's boring. Notice how much peace there is in the boredom and fall in love with the boredom. Mm -hmm. And then you go a little deeper and it gets rich. It gets really rich. And when you're bored, you already know, you already left your addiction to, to the world and you haven't quite gotten to the, to the peace, but you're, but you're clearly on the way. So that's a really good sign when you're bored. Make the most of it. <laughs> yeah, it's so important for children as well. It's important for children to be bored, yeah. to not be occupied all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. How, how old were you when you got into psychedelics then? And, and would you say then that it was kind of almost the catalyst to opening you up to these ideas of consciousness and, and the depth of your own being? Um. Well, no, I had some, I had some experiences, even as a teenager, when I was in high school, I remember lying in bed and just being filled with light and recognizing, even though I was not socially very well adjusted, there was nothing wrong with me. That was really, that was like a kind of a assurance thing. 
for a teenager. That's, that's, that's pretty reassuring, right? Uh, I didn't do uh, psychedelics until I was finished with university, pretty much. Or you could say psychedelics finished my <laughs> university. Um, I was, I think, when I did the first LSD experience was Sandoz LSD in ampoules in liquid because I worked in a neurological research lab and they had the samples. Wow. And, uh, okay. and that I was probably, that was 19. I was probably 20, maybe 24, 26. Way back. It was like 1960. I don't know, five, 1966. So I was probably 24. And then for a couple of years, I did quite a bit of different psychedelics. And they I just had some unbelievably beautiful experiences. A couple of not so, not so fun ones. And then I got to a point where I said, you know what, there must be a way, you know, I, I asked the question one time, you know, the experience that I'm having on a psychedelic, is that experience in me? Or is that experience in the psychedelic? And say, well, no, no, this, the, the, the pill is just a trigger for an experience within me. Well, there must be a way to have the experience in me without the pill. Because at that time, they, you know, they, was, they were legal and, all, you know, so there was, there was issues around that. So I said, so how do I find the experience without the pill? Because that must also be possible. And it turns out that psychedelics will take you, will, can open, can open something up for you. But their their molecules awareness is much more subtle than molecules. So they'll take you to a certain level in your exploration of the depths of your being. But at some point, they don't take you deeper. And then you have to you have to do it by moving your focus of awareness. And, uh, and so uh, after I had done that, and then I had started doing my stillness practice, and gotten really relatively good at it. I did some psychedelics, and they actually didn't bring me deeper, they brought me not less deeper. Mm. So, so I have it from my own experience, that the, 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 but the psychedelics as, as door openers, or when people get stuck, like whether you're talking about PST or P, uh, PTSD or depression or anxiety, like we run nerve tracks, right? And sometimes we have run them so well that we're stuck in those tracks because something triggers and we don't, we don't, we, even though we have a choice between the trigger and the response is, has been so, so made so short that we don't even realize we have a choice. Mm. And so we just trigger response. And, and these become really well run tracks. And to break those tracks open, psychedelics are amazingly good, whether you're addicted to sex or you're addicted to money or you're addicted to anything that's not working, mm. right? That, that, that messes up your life or, or to certain kinds of drugs. Psychedelics help you because they break open nerve connections in the brain. And because they do that, they give you options. So that, for instance, there are other ways to do that. There's one of them is called scrambling. It's a neuro linguistic uh, 
programming technique, NLP technique. And, and when you scramble it, you start making associations between the trigger and your usual response. You create other, other options and you do it by doing certain exercises. Mm. And I was able to uh, help a person get over a three-year depression that was pretty chronic as her husband died in three hours. She was, but at the end of the, 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 she was giggling like a schoolgirl, and six weeks later she said, I don't remember what you did with me, but I haven't been depressed since that day. Mm-hmm. My brothers saw her that next week, said there's something has changed. One of them said something was obviously had changed. The other one said she looked to me like she was in love. And six weeks after the first phone call she said, where she said, I, I, don't, I haven't been depressed since then, she said, you'd probably be surprised, but I'm getting married. <laughs> wow. So it literally, literally just completely cleaned it out and ended, it, ended up for her. Mm. Just, by, just by breaking open other options mm. so that her depression was associated not just with my husband died and life, life sucks, but it was associated with the Terminator and with sexy Marilyn and the ch- singing chipmunks and because we played a game with it, right? Saying the same, same thing, but then adding other things to it and, you know, moving, moving around this way, moving around this way, going this way or going that way or going the other way and just doing all kinds of movements with it. So it was associated with a lot of things. So now she, when she said, when she said, life sucks, it's not fair and life sucks. There were so, so many other options that she had. That it was easy, became easy for her to pick another option. Mm-hmm. And then that charge got lost because we scrambled that, that track, that nerve track. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's very yeah. cool. I, I, yeah, I know of a lot of people who, um, well, my family are from Israel, and um, so okay. I know people you know, from there who have come out of the army after being in, you know, horrible situations and have used plant medicine, uh, you know, ayahuasca specifically mm-hmm. for um, PTSD yeah. and gone on to literally, you know, recover from their PTSD fully yeah. because of it. So, yeah, I, yeah, ayahuasca wasn't available in, when I, in, in my day. Yeah. So I never tried that. And these days I, I don't, I don't use them. Mm. But so they definitely, they definitely have it. They definitely have a place in, in dealing with trauma and addiction and, and uh, they definitely have a use. I think what I like about what you've said is they have a use in kind of opening it up, but we still have to find it, that consciousness within ourselves. It's still there. If you're just looking yeah. for something external to give you that, the, the plant medicine exactly. isn't giving you that. It's facilitating your connection to it. Right. But then yeah. you've kind of got to find it in yourself as opposed to every month and going doing another plant medicine ceremony. Exactly. That's, and, and, you know, in a way, techniques are like that too, you know, meditation techniques. Mm. Right? They can be helpful to begin but you're not looking for the technique. Mm. You're looking for yourself. You're looking for an experience. You're looking for a presence. You're mm. looking for what it feels like. And that's an exploration. And that and you you learn to focus. And you know, the, the more you do it, the better you get at moving your focus where you want your focus to be. It's always going to be inside of you, is where the goodies are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the best goodies are built in. Yeah. Right. 
let's go let's talk about fats now because it's yeah, such a huge part of what you do <laughs> and how you got into it and um, and why and why this fascination with fats and what we're lacking by not having enough fats and right yeah let's just talk about fats. so, so i got poisoned by pesticides and the way that happened is i i got married we had three kids my marriage broke up i was really upset and I, I was already doing the practice, but I was still pretty new at it. So I was really upset and I wanted to kill something. And I had had a gardening job in which I had gotten a pesticide sprayer's license. And uh, so I had the license already. And I, I took a full-time job as a pesticide sprayer. Wow. And I was really, and I was really careless because I was upset. And, uh, used to walk barefoot over the lawns I sprayed till the skin peeled off my feet. <gasps> then I wore then I wore rubber boots. Somebody said to me, aren't you worried you're going to get poisoned? And I said, nah, I'm immune. <laughs> we sometimes call that testosterone poisoning. <laughs> men, men, young men poisoned by their own testosterone until they have their big first big run in with reality. <laughs> and, and then the wisdom begins. And so uh, I got poisoned after three years of doing that very carelessly, went to the doctor and asked her, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? She said, nothing. Mm. And at that point, it was so, it became so clear that my health is my responsibility. Like for the first time, really clear. It was, I wasn't really like a junk food guy or anything, <clears throat> but the responsibility part of like how 100% I'm responsible for it. You know, I can get help and all of that too, but I'm responsible for it. And so then, because I knew the body's made out of food, water, air, and light, that's all bodies have ever been made from in nature, right? Food, water, air, and light. <clears throat> I, and I was more focused on food. I started looking in the, in the journals because I had background in biochemistry and genetics. And, 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 and so I was quite good at reading the research journals started looking at health and nutrition, disease and nutrition. And I knew that every year, or I had been told, every year, 98% of the atoms in your body every year are removed and replaced. And you don't even notice that your body is a, a major construction site. I mean, the whole thing turns over in one year, every year. Right. So what that means is that if something goes wrong in your body and we're talking physical now, right? If something goes wrong in your body and you raise your standard of food, water, air, and light, then within one year, you can have rebuilt your body 98% to a higher standard. That's called healing. The only reason why people can heal, is because the body's always turning over. And if you're always replacing bad, bad with good, this is what it means to raise your standard, then healing happens. That's very powerful. And it's not just like, you know, some of some of the things water runs through your body, you drink 15, if you drink the, the right amount of water, you drink 15 times your body weight in water every year. So all that water goes through you. You're like a little, like a waterfall, you know, you pour it in the bottom, in, in the top and you drain it at the bottom and you keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it 15 times 
your body weight in a year. The, the better the water is, the better that's going to be for your health. Yeah. You know, for the, 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 the lining of the digestive tract turns over every four days. It's rebuilt every four days. So that, that's rebuilt a hundred times in a year, almost. Right? So because of that, and so I understood that. And then I found out that omega-3 is an essential nutrient. It is the most sensitive of all of our nutrients. I call it the God molecule because it has a lot of energy in it. So it, it's the most sensitive. It's damaged by light, by air, and by heat. It's essential. You can't make it from anything else in your body. So it has to come in from outside. That's what essential means. If you don't get enough, you can't stay healthy. Your health will go down. If you don't get enough long enough, you die. This is like the really important building blocks for body construction and body function. And if you bring it back while you're deteriorating because you're not getting enough, you bring enough back, all the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed because life knows what to do with the essential nutrients provided we take responsibility at the place of our mouth to make sure enough of them land in our body so that life can do its job that it knows very well how to do. And, and then 99% of the population doesn't get enough. Every cell needs them. And I realized they're sensitive, so we should make them with health in mind because there's a lot of damage is done to oils by the industrial processing and in the fry pan. Mm. And, uh, and of course, because of that, more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition. And more health benefits come from making the oil change that your body needs to omega-3 and omega-6, the two essential nutrients from oils mm. that are required in your diet. So when you make an oil the oil change your body needs, more health benefits will come from that than any other change you make in your physical, in your, in your physical stuff. And when I realized, oh my God, we could help almost everybody. I got so excited. It was like, I found a purpose for life. It was like, it was so, you know, it's like, oh my God, we could help so many people. And then we started, we had no money. I had no business experience, but the enthusiasm was through the roof. And so we, we, did, a, we did a tour in a van without air conditioning in the hottest months in the summer in the US, went to 85 cities in 101 days, 17,000 miles by road, 35 states, and talked about omega-3s made with health in mind, and created a buzz. And flax oil came out of that. That was my first oil. And flaxseed oil became the second best, second highest selling oil in the, in the uh, health food industry. That's where we were active. And just and it was just like, oh, my God, we could help so many people bringing the omega-3s back. It is the most widespread essential nutrient deficiency of our time. Vitamin D is about 80%. This is 99%. Why? Magnesium is Why? Uh, well, the biggest reason, I think, is, well, two reasons. One is there are a lot more sources of omega-6 than omega-3. Omega-3 are northern or southern oils. The closer you get to the, to the poles, 
more you need those high energy molecules, like a fish in cold water, you know, would, would be pretty easy to pick off by, by a predator because it's cold water. It's, you know, in the in some of the predators are warm, warm blooded, right? So they maintain their blood pressure and they maintain their chemical activity. Well, the fish need really chemically active high energy molecules to be able to when you know when, when a predator comes in cold water omega-3s are that molecule so you find them closer to the poles and if you go from the poles there's omega more omega-3s closer to the poles then you, as you go south more omega-6 then more omega-9 by the time you get to the mediterranean and in the tropics more uh, coconut you know more saturated fats and and omega-3s are warming oils and saturated fats are cooling oils so that's one reason the second reason is omega-3s are so sensitive that nobody wants to mess with them you know that people like shelf life people like convenience mm. these things may require care these are like perishable they're perishable products they need to get the kind of care you give to lettuce and tomatoes Right, so they so that the way we make them, you have to make a really tight system, cut out all light and oxygen, temperature as low as possible, through the whole process of filtering, filling, um, uh, settling, pressing, and then they go in brown glass bottles. Then we put a box around it to keep the light out, nitrogen flushed, right, and in the fridge. So these are oils. You know who who refrigerates oils. In the in the in the big world. Well, me because Nobody I have Udo's oil in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. You do because because that's we made that a requirement for these very sensitive oils, and 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 but the oil industry. I mean, they they freeze ice cream, so they're okay with freezing ice cream, but they're not okay with cooling oils, and they're they and they freeze steaks. But they're not okay with cooling oils. Why? When you know, <laughs> I mean, steaks will spoil. I get that, and 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 things things will spoil. Ice cream will melt. But here, you're losing you're losing the whole the whole thing. You're damaging the whole thing into twisting molecules and breaking molecules and rebonding molecules and cross-linking molecules. And those are not never existed in nature. So they they don't work in the body. They interfere. Mm. When you get interference, you get disease. Mm. So we said, let's give them the care they need. Nobody wants to work with them because they're so sensitive. Let's give them the care they need to let them unfold the benefits that they have. Mm. And that was the deal. And then when people came to work with, with us, we would say to them, do you have refrigeration in your storage? If they said yes, I would hand them over to the guy who did the deals, see if they could make a deal. If they said no, I said, are you willing to bring it in? If they said yes, I say, tell us when you have it. And if they said no, I say, this is a good time to end the interview. We would not do business with people who, would not, would, who were not willing to take the care that we knew the oil needed. Yeah. So, so, so we basically did the, did the, the hard thing. But it became a success because people saw results. Because when you keep the, especially the omega-3s that are so active and so sensitive, you keep them in their natural state, they do a lot of good things in your body. 
but you have to give them the care they need. And these are the most sensitive of all of our nutrients. So from a, a kind of tangible level, um, what harm is, uh, are these sorts of, um, you know, bad oils and vegetable oils and margarines and stuff like that? What, what, if, can you talk us through the sort of harm that these are doing to people's bodies? Because I know they're hugely detrimental, but I think yeah. people would love to hear about well, exactly why. Yeah, let me, get, let me give you some numbers. It, when the industry makes oils, they treat them with sodium hydroxide, which is a very corrosive base, then with uh, phosphoric acid, which is a very corrosive acid, corrosive acid. Then they bleach the oil because the color molecules in oils absorb light and light then damages the oil. So they, they bleach them with bleaching clays. Then the oil goes rancid in that process and now it smells bad. Now they have to heat it to frying temperature to boil off the rancid molecules. In that process, a half to 1% of the molecules of oil are damaged. That doesn't sound like much until you start counting. And I actually talked to the industry and I said, why do you do this? You know, it does damage. They said, well, one of the reasons we do that is because we can get rid of half of the pesticides in the oil by heating it to frying temperature. And I was, I'd been poisoned by pesticides. I'm going in my head. I said, wait, wait. The other half of the pesticides stay in the oil. I didn't even know they had pesticides in the oils. And so I said to him, because I, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a big shock for me. I said to him, well, why don't you start with organically grown seeds? Then you don't have any pesticides and you don't have that problem in the first place. And there was this long silence at the other end of the phone. And I just waited. And when he got back, he was mad. He said, I don't know what your problem is. The oil is 99% good. It's only 1% damaged. And if you got 99% on an exam, you'd be damn happy, wouldn't you? That's what he said. Well, I used to get 100% in genetics because I loved the topic <laughs> and I was really good at it. So I wasn't as impressed, but then I thought, well, yeah, okay, 1%, maybe I'm overreacting. When in doubt, do the math. If you have a tablespoon of oil, this was my math. If you have a tablespoon of an oil, now we're talking about American tablespoons, there are 15 milliliters, 14 grams. Yours, I think, are 20. In, but <clears throat> that's a whole other story. So 15 milliliters of oil, one tablespoon. That is 1% damaged. How many damaged molecules will be in that tablespoon of oil? Take a guess. I don't know. You've lost me with all the numbers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I understand, but just take a guess because there's a reason for doing this. So one tablespoon of oil, 1% right. damaged. How many damaged molecules will be in that tablespoon? I really don't know. No, and people don't. So they, they give me numbers anywhere from 10 to a billion. But there are actually... 60 quintillion damaged molecules in a tablespoon of oil that is 1% damaged by the processing. Whoa. 60 quintillion. So you got... I mean, you thousand... asked me like I'm ever going to say the word quintillion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. yeah. what the heck is a quintillion, right? But it's like a thousand million... Three, always three, three, three zeros at it, right? A thousand million billion trillion quadrillion quintillion so we're, you're talking about 1860 
followed by 18 zeros. And that's more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60, uh, 60 trillion cells. And you, and you change gene expression. If you had a thousand, you get more than a million here. So then I, I would say to people, well, because their highest estimates of the damage done to oils is always at least a billion times too low, then I ask him, listen, you, you're going to fly home for the holidays. You, you're at the airport, you're about to get on the plane. And somebody who only ever tells you the truth says to you, did you know, by the way, that, that your chance of crashing and dying on this trip home is a billion times higher than you thought it was, <laughs> would you get on the airplane? Right? Because that's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. We, we underestimate the damage done to oils by a billion times. Now, if you, if you realize, yeah, this is a, a billion times worse than you thought it was, would that be enough to make you change to get your oils either from unroasted, unrancid, undamaged seeds and nuts, or from oils that are made with health rather than shelf life in mind. Mm. And I, I told them when I was in Ireland, I said, you know, I would canoe back to Canada. I would not get on the plane. My chances would not be good, but they'd be better than getting on a plane where where my chance of dying is a billion times higher than I thought it was, mm. right? And I'm, I'm saying that to make the point, really just, you know, you, you're, put, you're allowing way more bad stuff into your diet because you don't know how bad it is, mm. even though it's only 1%, yeah. right? Yeah. Even though it's only 1%. But then you also put it in the frying pan. You got to multiply that number by another three to six, and you don't use one tablespoon a day. Most people, most adults use two to four. So you got to multiply it by two to four more. So now, so now you got, you know, you, you got to add a, a couple more zeros. So what are the worst oils and which ones should we not be using at all? Fried, frying is the worst thing we ever invented to do to our food. You know, the frying pan is, is, because we take the most sensitive nutrient we have and we throw it in the frying pan and watch it turn into smoke. Well, you know, when you turn oil into smoke, you've changed the chemistry. And so I say to people, everybody's got a fry pan, go dig it out, turn it upside down, hit yourself on the head with it really hard. <laughs> so it's associated with pain and get rid of it and go back to cooking in water and add good oils after the food is off, off the heat. Mm. And, and, uh, so frying is the worst thing, worse than sugar, although sugar is bad, mm. but frying is the worst thing. Uh, and you get all kinds of damaged molecules that come from that, that kind of treatment. Now, the, the frying temperature is used even in, by industry, so it's not only in the home. Cooks who stand in front of frying pan for eight hours a day have four times more lung cancer than normal people at home who maybe only spent two hours in front of the frying pan. Wow. Four times more lung cancer. <clears throat> you know, because you're going to breathe that stuff in, right? Yeah. Right? Um, second thing would be probably trans fats. 
or the cooking oils would be the second. So fried, then cooking oils, then trans fats. Trans fats are not popular so much anymore, but they still use them in airplane food and in places where they don't have to put on the product what's in the product. Mm. You don't have to put it on the labels. Um, and they double risk of heart attack and they interfere with immune function and they interfere with reproduction in both male and female animals. They raise risk of diabetes. Uh, yeah, so they, they don't belong in it they, because they're, they don't exist in nature like that. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit in dairy. They're supposed to be a little bit better than the dairy, but dairy is debatable too. The research is now pretty clear that if you want the longest life and the healthiest life, you do that on a plant-based whole food diet and a, and a supplement of B12. And part of it has to do with the, with the, the damage done by the way we raise the, the animal products or we, we make the animal products like the feed and, and the confinement and the antibiotics and all the stuff that, you know, that, it's not the same as going out and hunting a rabbit with a bow and arrow, mm. <laughs> right? And uh, and we eat a lot more of it than than people did in the past, because mm. when when we only had rocks to hunt with, the hunters came home without meat most of the time, so they didn't guess what they ate, vegetables, because they don't run away and they don't fight back and they're easy to hunt down and kill, right? So. So, and, and fundamentally, even in a way, it's like asking what is the worst may, may be the wrong question. The best is organic, fresh, whole, raw seeds and nuts. And then they all have different kinds of different, uh, different combinations of the different fatty acids. Flax is the richest source of omega-3 that's easily available. Chia has has similar, and those are those are good good food products. Flax has lots lots and lots of health value, mm. not just the oil, but also the lignans in it and the fiber in it, and uh, so um, yeah. So the question, the be, the better question is, what is the best thing that I should be taking? Mm. Right. So flax would be in that, and then seeds and nuts. Most seeds and nuts have omega-6s in them. And omega-3 and omega-6 are the only thing that's essential from the whole arena of fats. You don't need anything else. Those two you cannot make. You have to have. You have to bring in from outside. And in the body, they get turned into hundreds of different molecules with health benefits. Mm -hmm. Hundreds. I mean, fats hold the keys to health more than protein, more than carbs. Carbs is the least important food because there are no essential carbs. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much to unpack there. And I just, I love hearing yeah. your passion about <laughs> about yeah. it with the oils. And it's such a, a kind of contentious subject because everyone has different views on which oils are good and what oils to use. Um, so I'm glad that you kind of opened that up and, and gave us an idea of what to use, yeah. what not to use. What's your views on avocado oil? Uh, eat the avocados. <laughs> but you can eat the flax, right? You can just put ground Yeah, eat the flax. Yeah, do it. do it. Yeah. So I put... Yeah. What, what, I, what I, I would say, eat the, eat the seeds that, or eat the plant that the 
the oil comes from. And if you can't get your skin to be soft and velvety, then then take oil in addition to yeah. make that happen. That's right. that's the way. And we why do we measure it like this? Because your skin gets the oils last mm. and loses them first. The inner organs get priority because you can live with dry skin, but if your heart or your liver dried out, that'd be a serious problem. So nature gives them. So by the time your skin is soft and velvety, you know the rest of your body, right? Yeah. The body, the body has what it needs. So that's how we measure that. Yeah. But that comes from all your sources. Eat the seeds and nuts. Mm-hmm. Use the oil if that doesn't get you there. I can't do it without oil. Mm. I can't get that skin, skin feel without oil. Yeah. And I guess there's so many genetic or epigenetic Sorry? factors to that. Um, but it's like, yeah. I, I always say this to clients as well get what we get what we can through nutrition as much as possible through food and what we can't then we supplement as opposed to yeah. taking loads of supplements just because you think you know get let's get what we can yeah. through food yeah, yeah no no, no. And, and the the issue with supplements is uh, this really uh, an interesting point that you that you bring up because some people say well i take a supplement so i'm just going to eat garbage right and then they eat all bad foods but that's not the way it's Supplements are not supposed to fix your nutrition problems. No. They're supposed to augment them. That's why you supplement a good diet. You don't, you know, you don't replace a good diet with supplements. So you want to eat the, the most whole food diet, whole food, plant-based, organic, fresh, right? Raw as much as possible, as long as it's not contaminated. And then you add supplements to that best diet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of people don't do that. They say, "Oh, you know, I, I, I can, I can, oh, I can, oh, I can indulge because I, I take this other thing." Not smart. No, <laughs> not smart at all. I have a question for you, just because I'm, you know, you're in business and I'm always interested in this kind of merging of wellness and business. What? has been the biggest challenge for you in business with what you do? Um, Basically, the biggest issue is people. (laughs) No, because what happens, like for me, it was never about money. For me, it was about health. If your goal is clear and your effort is there because you're excited about it, the value will pay your rent. The value will you bring will pay your rent. And I, in, in, a, in one of any of a hundred ways. And I never paid attention to the, to, to the money part. I got ripped off a few times. And I was a little disappointed, but more in the people because it wasn't about the money for me. Mm. So, the, so, so the money follows good work. And pick your partners wisely. I would say that that's what that's the way I would put it. That's that's what I've learned. Mm. You know, it's still not about money for me, even though, you know, sometimes the money's been pretty good and sometimes the money's not that good. And sometimes I worry a little bit about it. But not that much. You know, the the you know, when, when we did the oil, I never paid attention to it. On flax oil, I never made any money. Mm. We spent uh, it took us from nineteen 
well, it took me from, it took me f almost six years to write the book. And uh, books don't make much money. Flax oil became a very big industry. I made very little money on it. Because my my payoff was, and this again, you know, it depends on what you value. My payoff was, I got it done. Mm. I knew yeah. I could do it, and I got it done, right? Yeah, With the help, of course, of lots of people. It's not like I didn't do it all by myself, right? But but the inspiration was there, and the enthusiasm was there, and people wanted to be part of it, and you know, and we all worked hard. Never felt like we were burned out. Never felt like we were working too hard. Even though we had long days and short nights sometimes, you know, but there was this fire. And the, honestly, for anything that has to do, the money is way down the line. Mm -hmm. If you got the fire, the money will come. Yeah. If you're doing something that helps people, the money will come. Because, and, and, and what do you want to do for people? It's always one or two things. Less pain, more joy. Anything you do that gets people more less pain, more enjoyment, they pay for. Which seems to be the exact opposite of what's going on in the world right now and what's being promoted. Well, there, yeah, there are. You know, there's. Um, well, this is a good good way to to go there. <clears throat> you know what heartache is. Yeah. You know what heartache is. <laughs> yeah. Is this something you feel here? When you feel it? Not really. Where do you feel it? The heartaches. It's hard to explain really, isn't it? Because it's so deep. What's that? It's quite hard to explain, isn't it? Because it's just so deep. But is it, is it localized in your chest? You mean as in like actual your heart or, or emotionally heartache? Chest. chest. Oh, yeah, right. No, no. Okay. Yeah, heartache. I'm not talking about uh, um, uh, heart attack. I'm talking about heartache, you know, when somebody yeah. I don't know, somebody dumps you or somebody breaks a promise or your grandmother dies or your dog runs away or, you know, something that you've put a lot of love in ends. Yeah. Sadness, sorrow, grief, emptiness, restlessness. Those are all other words for heartache. Mm. Heartache is the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive. Even though it's uncomfortable and people don't like it, greatest gift we've been given other than being alive. Mm -hmm. Because what it is, in its essence, heartache is your heart calling your awareness to come back home inside to its source in life. And the trigger, something on the outside will trigger it. But we lost our connection to ourselves beginning at birth. We had the connection when we were inside because there was no place to go and nothing to do and everything was taken care of and, and it was safe. I call it the Buddha tank, mm -hmm. you know, and we were just floating around in this tank of water, you know, everything supplied and just smiling every once in a while and just like in the light because our, our focus of awareness was had no place to go. So it was at rest in its source, inside, in life. Then we come out into the world our awareness goes out, we have to get to know the world, change attracts our awareness out through our senses. And then we have to say, is this friend, is this foe, or is this irrelevant? And then on the basis of making a very quick uh, assessment, we then have to take action, right? 
our fallback state if we're not doing some kind of stillness practice, some kind of come home practice, is discontent. And out of discontent, because we don't understand that that's just our heart calling us to come home, out of that discontent, we try to find something to do that if we succeed, we hope that we'll feel whole again. That's what drives everything in the world. But nothing on the outside can fix this feeling, because the only way you can fix that feeling is to bring your awareness back inside to its source. When people are greedy, that's just this, you know, they see, I had a friend, he said, you know, I'll, if I make a million dollars, I'll be happy. We were in a business together. It was a different business. He said, he said to me, when I make a million dollars, I'll be happy. And I looked him in the eye and I said, no, you won't. He said, what do you mean? said, because when you, when you get the million dollars, you're going to have three days, you're going to go, yay, I did it, I did it, I did it. And on day four, this, this ache will be back. And then you're going to start thinking, well, maybe I didn't think big enough. If I make $10 million, I'll be happy. Or maybe I, was, maybe I tried to get it from the wrong direction. So then you change direction, you do something else. And it's always the hope in, behind those things we do, that when we get it done, we will feel fulfilled again. And that's where the, the pursuit of money comes from. It's basically discontent, discontent people who haven't figured out that the riches they search for are built in from birth. And you have to come home to your pile of riches inside if you want to feel whole. Mm. Right? And Honestly, that is the number one problem on the planet. People are discontent, out of discontent. They, they see all kinds of excuses for it. Then, then they live into discontent, and that's how we wreck everything. Because mm. discontent is destructive. You know, if, we, when, if you disc, you know, 9-11 happened out of discontent. And for me, it was like, I, I had been doing my practice. It was private for me. I never did public because it was just something that was important to me. When 9-11 happened, my take home was discontent people will always spread discontent. Right. If people who are content, and I claim to be one of the people who knows what that is, if we don't spread contentment faster than they spread discontent, guess where we're headed? And it was a, on 9-11, my take home was, this needs to be public. This needs to be talked about. Because there's a way to get there that works. And there's a thousand ways that don't work. And we need to get to the point where we recognize the importance and the need and the power of the need to feel whole within ourselves, mm. which requires a stillness practice where we just focus on bringing it home. And then when, you know, and before I knew that, I was always, what can I do that'll take care of me? And I wouldn't do things that needed to be done because I couldn't see how they would take care of me. When I started doing this, when I felt discontent, I knew where to go to feel content because it's built in. Oh, I've already got it. Oh, I, I haven't. Yes, because my mind has wandered off because I'm not focused on content. I'm, oh, look at that. Oh, whatever. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then after a while, you forget and then this starts to ache again when i realized that 
it changed everything. It's like, okay, I'm taken care of. Not about me anymore. Doesn't have to be about me anymore. This is the cure for narcissism, right? Um, come home, look around, help where you can. What needs to be done? Lend a hand. But don't expect that what you do on the outside will fulfill you on the inside because that's not how it works. Don't expect that if your bank account is big enough that you, he's somehow going to feel whole again. No, in fact, the bigger your, your pile of money gets, the more you worry about who's going to steal it from you because it never did the job in the first place. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I um, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. And I think it's such a beautiful note to end on because it's giving people something positive to take forward from this. And I think even just hearing about your stillness practice is you're really going to motivate people and inspire people to do that for themselves. And like you say, if everyone's doing that, you know, the changes yeah. we can see in the world. Yeah, I hope 8 billion people do that because it'll oh, make so their lives so much better and it'll make the world savable and workable. My husband and I actually said, what if all the world leaders and all these kind of big tech, big food, all these, you know, leaders of these corporations all went and did one massive like plant ceremony, uh, plant medicine ceremony. Can you imagine the yeah. depth of consciousness that could be yeah, available? I mean, I yeah, my goal, my goal for the time that I have left right, is 8 billion people could live their lives lit up from within because the light's already there. It's just a matter of going in instead of looking into it, instead of looking away from it. When they do, they will feel so cared for that they won't steal each other's stuff because they don't need more. Like when you feel cared for, you don't need more. They stop stealing each other's stuff, then we can live in harmony. When we live in harmony, making sure that everybody's basic needs are met on a, on a, on a long-term sustainable basis is, is, is an automatic follow-through. Mm -hmm. That's basically is my, it's my, my, and because it's already, it's already all built in is literally, it's just, everybody has some homework to do. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it's the best, the best work is the homework. In this case, the best work is the homework because it gets you the best results in terms of quality of you, of your experience of your life. Eight billion people. We can, we can hope. We can continue hoping. It, 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 it can be done and it will be done. I, I agree it can. I and we're under pressure to do it because unless we feel whole, we will not fix the environment and we will not fix our politics and we will not fix our relationships and we will not fix our health. So in a way it starts with this. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a lovely um, reminder that we all have a responsibility to, I guess, emanate that and, and project that and help others come to it. So thank you for that. As you know, I end with uh, rapid fire questions, which oh, I yeah. all about all about you, so everyone can get to yeah, know a little me, bit about you. Let me embrace myself. Embrace yourself. So short, sweet answers. And yeah. the first one is the only one that everyone gets the same. So that is wellness is dot, dot, dot. Oh, full presence in all of your being and your surroundings. Wow. 
<laughs> that was uh, you came to that easily that's beautiful um what do you hope people will remember you for the most i don't care wow okay yeah i don't care i don't care it's you know sometimes when somebody says oh you did a good job you know i have an internal meter that says you know what i could have been better right what's important to me is that i'm in that place doing what i can mm. and i don't care if any you know i mean think about it who invented window glass somebody did but nobody knows yeah right i mean somebody maybe knows you know who you know, if you start looking if you look at all the things that have been invented to make people's lives easier mm. most of the people who did the work we don't remember them That's but there have been 100 billion people on this planet and many of them have contributed something of lasting value but they don't need to be remembered mm -hmm. because they're already in the they're already in the big soup mm -hmm. right shows how yeah. little you care about ego which is lovely yeah. um okay one food everyone should be eating daily or a habit everyone should be doing daily oh if uh wow uh <laughs> oh there's so many you know, I could say flax would be one food, uh, but uh, turmeric would be one food, uh, if you call it a food. Ginger, garlic, onions, spices, you know, there's so much healing in spices. And there are spices that are antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial, oh, yeah. anti-cancer, anti-cardio, anti-diabetes, anti-autoimmune, anti-lupus, anti-cholesterol, antioxidant, and anti-inflammatory all at the same time. And there's not just one, you know, that you can find in some place, somewhere exotic place. No, every continent has some of those. Yeah. So that probably is where the most healing comes from, if you do it with whole foods. So the foods in that sense are not as important as the spices. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. One food no one should be eating ever. Oh, fried fried and lastly what books are on your nightstand right now what 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 books are on your night nightstand right now or what do you uh, i have i have so many books i have so many books i like people talking about their experiences a lot mm. you know whether it's masters or just but people i mean i i like i like personal stories a lot not so much political stories, but personal experience stories, like the journey of life. Yeah. Because everybody's on the hero's journey, mm -hmm. you know, and whether, you know, even if their life seems really easy, every life has is full of challenges. Mm -hmm. And every life is full of growth. You could make a movie out of the most boring life, because if they got nothing going on on the outside, they've got lots going on on the inside. So if, if, you, if, if you know that, you could literally make a bestseller movie, a hero's journey movie out of every human being's life. Mm. So give us one book you're reading right now. Uh, I've, lately, I've read quite a bit of, um, I have to, uh, what's his name? Oh, Joe Dispenza. Dispenza. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Massive. Uh, when you were talking before about trauma and how we have to kind of, you know, process it and then not focus on the past. He has a great saying, which is be so connected to your future that you stop telling yourself a story of the past. 
Um, right. it, it really resonated when you were talking about right. the trauma stuff. I, I would change that. Be so, be so um, connected to the present. Because yeah. in the present, you have the choice. If you don't have choice in the future, you have choice in the present. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm just saying, he's he's basically getting to the same thing that I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah I love how he's put together how thoughts um you know turn on chemistry and then the chemistry reinforces the thoughts and the thoughts reinforce the chemistry yeah. this is done he'd done an unbelievably good job i think of really putting that together pioneered you know, that one. nobody else has yeah, yeah he's absolutely pioneered it yeah um udo thank you so much i i think um well, people can check out your latest um, appearance in the feature documentary "Eating Our Way to Extinction." So I know that that is yeah, available. Yeah, I, I have a small part in it. Yeah. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more? Oh, see more? Um, Udo's Choice, U D O S Choice dot com. That's where I talk about the, the products. I work with enzymes and probiotics and greens and and uh, oils and a few other things. And so those educational about the products and, and why we make them and wh what they do for health. And then the other one is uh, the Udo, T-H-E-U-D-O, theudo.com. And that's more courses and, and more educational material. Some books, there's a book called The Book on Total Sexy Health, The Eight Key Parts Designed by Nature. It's an overview book of the whole, everything that affects health because everything affects health. Yeah. And you you have to give everything it's due if you want to have the best life. And uh, fats that heal, fats that kill is there and, and a few other ones. Omega-3 Cuisine is a, the only cookbook on omega-3s that I know. Oh, wow. Know. Interesting. Okay. Omega-3 Cuisine, Recipes for Health and Pleasure. And I, a celebrity chef made the recipes. I just told him how not to wreck the oils. <laughs> That's really interesting. I'm going to look that up. And just so everyone knows as well, if you go to laurenvacklin.co.uk and go to the product recommendations page, there is a, or you can just go to the show notes here where you're listening. Um, there is a 20% discount code for Udo's Choice products in the UK. Um, to make sure to do that. I highly recommend them. I use the Udo's oil in my smoothies, my kids' smoothie every day. I use the Udo's greens in my smoothie. As you know, we use the uh, probiotics as well. So thank you for all that you are doing for all of us and, um, and for letting us know about it all today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been, been a delight to meet you and get to know you and hang out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And thank you also for taking responsibility for your well-being by listening to podcasts like this. It's something I really appreciate. And before you go, I just wanted to remind you to check out the Recondition Your Life Academy at laurenvacneencoaching.com. It's a 12-week course that I run three times a year for small tribes of like-minded women. If you love anything you're hearing here on the podcast, this course will serve you so deeply. Everything from inner child healing, divine feminine healing and health optimization to how to find your purpose and how to find or cultivate conscious relationships and so much more. Check out all the testimonials on the website from some very happy previous Academy members. The growth and healing available in this course really is unique. Just head over to the website and make sure to get your name on the waiting list for when we launch the next semester. Sending so much love your way. 